Hello and welcome to John Cook Ministries podcast. I'm John Cook. I'm a retired Baptist preacher with over 50 years experience in preaching and teaching the King James Bible, God's Holy Word. The purpose of this podcast is to present the Word of God as being just as relevant today as it was in the day that it was written. Today, I'm going to take you into my Sunday school class at the Faith Baptist Church in Riverside, California, where we are studying the book of Philippians. This is a verse-by-verse study to see what God has to say to us from His Word. All right, take your Bible this morning and let's go to Philippians chapter 1. This is lesson number 4, and we're on the verses, verse 12 down through verse 18 in our lesson this morning. We've been dealing with the Philippian believers that Paul is writing to, telling them to have joy in their lives. We've looked at several areas. This morning we're going to look at praise for the preaching of the Word of God. The first thing he tells the Philippian believers is that they are called on to understand that suffering does not stop the Lord's servants. So look at verse 12. But I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. The realization that we have to come to is the realization they had to come to. And that is, if we're going to serve the Lord, it's not going to be an easy path. In fact, in Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, we read the scripture and it says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Persecution is natural to the Christian life. Opposition from the devil, normal in the Christian life. Opposition of this world and opposition of the, the wicked of this world is normal in the Christian life. We find, for example, in the New Testament, every time the Lord told the disciples to do something, they faced difficulties in doing it. Like when he told them to get in the boat and go to the other side. And the storms came and the waves beat upon the ship and it looked like it was going to sink. And Jesus was asleep in the back of the ship and they called on Jesus and said, Lord, carest thou not that we perish? And the Lord said, where's your faith? And he got up and he rebuked the wind and rebuked the sea. He told the wind to be quiet and the sea to be still. They obeyed him. Difficulties face us in our Christian life and they're going to face us in our Christian life. Now, what should our attitude be when we face suffering in our Christian life? Well, we should show that we are confident in the Lord's working in us. In Philippians 1 and verse 6, he says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Though difficulties and sufferings and persecution face us in our Christian life, we still need to understand that the Lord is going to do a good work in us and that he's working through us. And the world, the flesh, and the devil are opposing that working of the Lord. We see the fruit of the Lord's working in the sufferings that Paul faced. 
You know, God uses bad things in our lives to bring about his own will. In Psalm 76 and verse 10, the psalmist says, Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath shalt thou constrain. The psalmist says, even the wrath of man will praise, will praise God. We find this, for example, in the children of Israel as they were enslaved in, in Egypt. And when Moses told Pharaoh, let my people go, Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey? And he caused even the wrath of Pharaoh to bring glory to himself. So the Lord uses the wrath of man towards his servants to bring praise to his own name. In Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound thing we have to understand is that the suffering that we're going through in the service of the Lord does not prevent the gospel from getting out. The word of God is not bound by the opposition of this world and by the opposition of man to the gospel message. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we read, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. This, all things work together for good. All things has to include the sufferings of the Savior's servants in this world. All things work together for good. Even the sufferings that come into our lives because we're doing exactly what God told us to do. The opposition that the world tries to bring into our lives, the opposition that the wicked one brings into our lives. All of that does not stop the gospel, and it, in fact, brings glory to God. Or God uses those sufferings to bring about good in our lives. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 37, the scripture says, Nay, in all these things... All these things would include the sufferings and the difficulties that we face in the Christian life. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You see, we've already not only conquered, but gone beyond that, the Bible says. The victory is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our flesh may feel defeated. We may feel defeated. Our attitude may be one of defeat, but it shouldn't be because in all these things, we are more than conquerors, the Bible says, through him that loved us. We must never allow ourselves to think that we could serve God better if our circumstances were other than they are. We must never think that just because we have bad circumstances in our lives that we can't serve God. You know, Moses said when the Lord called him out of the burning bush, Moses said, I can't speak. He was tongue-tied. He couldn't speak. And the Lord said, 
Who made your tongue? And the Lord said, I'll show you how what I can use. And he said, what's that in your hand? And Moses said, it's a staff. He said, throw it down. He threw it down and became a serpent. And the Lord said, pick it up. And it became a staff again. Just an old piece of wood. But the Lord could use it. Now, if God could use an old piece of wood, he could use us. Even in our weaknesses, then we need to understand that what Paul's bonds manifested to the palace and others. See, he was in bonds. He had chains about him. And he was in Caesar's palace with these chains. Didn't look like a servant of God. Didn't look like he was more than a conqueror. But he was. Bonds in Christ are a testimony to the enemy that we belong to the Lord. Now, they think it's a testimony that we're condemned, which we'll see later in this chapter. But in fact, it's a testimony to us. And it's a testimony to this world that we belong to the Lord. In First Peter, Peter tells us in chapter 4 and verse 12 through 14, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. That fiery trial that comes in our lives, that great difficulty, it's there to try us. But don't think it's some strange thing that's happened unto you, he says. But in fact, rejoice. Rejoice in fiery trials. Rejoice in difficulties. But that's what he says for us to do. And the reason is, he goes on to say, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. We've been counted worthy to partake of the sufferings of our Savior, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. The rejoicing we do today is looking forward to the day when we're going to rejoice with exceeding joy that we were counted worthy to suffer for the Savior's sake. He goes on to say that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. He says, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. If people don't like the fact that we witness to them, happy are ye. If people don't like the fact that we knock on their door and want to share the gospel with them, happy are ye. If people get upset and curse at you and call you judgmental, happy are ye. He says, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. The world, when it curses at us and gets mad at us and thinks we're interfering with their time when we're trying to, to witness to them, trying to tell them the gospel, he says, you're supposed to be happy about that. Because to them, our trying to tell them the gospel, well, to them, we're evil spoken of. But on our part, we rejoice because the Savior is glorified. 
that the gospel is being preached. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 20 tells us, For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. When a man's appointed an ambassador, he doesn't go to that country as an ambassador on his own part. He goes there as a representative of the government of his country. He doesn't speak the words that come from him. He speaks the words that come from the government of his country. We are citizens of the Lord Jesus Christ and of heaven. And as citizens of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ is our Lord and our God. And we are to his ambassadors to this world. And we are to go to this world and speak for the Savior. What we say to this world, we do not say for ourselves. We do not give them our words. We do not give them our opinions. We give them, thus saith the Lord. We give them the word of God. That's why it's so important that we know we have a, an infallible Bible in the King James Bible. Because by that we have authority from the God of heaven and earth who gave us this Bible as the authority for us to go to this world and preach the gospel to every creature. By Paul's bonds, there was fruit for the Savior in Caesar's palace. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 22, Paul says, all the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. Think of that. Here's Paul in chains. And yet there are people being born again in the palace of Caesar, in Caesar's household. The world, the devil, the chains of this world. The difficulties of this world cannot prevent the fruit of the gospel. What we've got to realize as Christians is we must never allow the enemy to shut us up. We should pray as the apostles of the Lord did in Acts chapter 4 and verse 29, where they said, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak the word. We should give to this world the truth of the word of God. And when the world doesn't want to hear it, we should go away when the world curses us, when the world slams the door in our face. We should walk away from the door and say, Lord, now behold their threatenings. And grant to us as your servants boldness to speak thy word. Lord, don't let those slam doors and the bitter words that come our way shut us up, but give us boldness. Don't let them frighten us to the point of shutting our mouths. But Lord, let it be an encouragement to us to come to you. And 
Lord, to ask for boldness that we may speak thy word to this world. Well, the third thing I want you to see is the strange encouragement there is in the difficulties that we face for others to preach the word of God to the lost. In verse 14, he says, And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul's bonds, his chains, had the opposite effect upon the believers of his time, for it removed fear of the witnessing for the Savior. They were an answer to Paul's prayer. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 13, where he says, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. And in verse 14 here, we see that it was in fact an encouragement to believers in Philippi and around where Paul had visited and preached the gospel. It had encouraged others. They saw his change. They saw his reaction to those chains. They saw the fruit that was being produced from those chains. And they just went out and with greater boldness preached the word of God. The tribulations that he faced did not stop the gospel from going forth, but encouraged other believers to get the gospel out. These believers who were free of the chains said, we can go where Paul cannot go, and we'll do it. Those that found encouragement in Paul's bonds knew that the Lord was the only one that they should fear. In Luke chapter 12, verses 5 through 7, the Bible tells us, But I would forewarn you whom ye shall fear. We need to find out who God says we should fear. Well, listen to what God says. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, more ye are of more value than many sparrows. You know, you see a sparrow, he's not worth much. We lose a hair off our head and we don't think much about it, except some of us who are losing it all. And we do think about it. But the Lord says, don't be afraid, because even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Well, some of us keep him pretty busy subtracting. But nevertheless, the very hairs of our head are all numbered. He says, fear not, therefore, you're of more value than the sparrows. You have greater value than those little birds. We're not to fear man, we're to fear God. Remember, it's God who can take a man who has not trusted him as his personal savior, 
who has not put his faith in God. And that man is going to face that very same God that he didn't trust. And many times he didn't trust him because of his fear of others, because of his fear of man. I think of a man who in the past we witnessed to, and he was afraid to get saved because he knew if he got saved, it would influence what he had to practice or what he believed he had to practice in his business. He worked in the oil fields in Alberta, Canada. And it was his job when he went to the oil fields to meet up with the foremen of these oil oil fields that he worked on and to sell them on the idea of his company working with them. And to do that, he would take liquor and give them bottles of bourbon and bottles of booze to influence them. And he said, if I got saved, I couldn't do that. He was afraid of man. And it wasn't until he got over that fear of man and gained fear and fear of God and realized that hell was a very real place and that he didn't want to go there. Only after that, only after he lost his fear of man and gained his fear of God and hell, did he get saved. And he trusted the Savior, went on to serve the Savior. So we are to, to lose our fear of man and realize that it's God who we are to serve. Those that went out and preached the gospel in spite of Paul's bonds, they didn't look at Paul's bonds as a detriment to the gospel, but as a reason to preach the gospel. In Psalm, the psalmist says, in Psalm 118, in verse 6, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. You see, when we realize the Lord is on our side, we won't fear man. If I'm looking at the Lord, the Lord God who could deliver Israel out of Egypt, the Lord God who could divide the sea, the Red Sea and Egypt go, and Israel go across on dry land and then take that very same sea and turn it upon the armies of Egypt and Pharaoh and drown them in that sea. The same Lord God that brought Israel through the wilderness gave them bread and meat and water and then brought them into the promised land and gave them victory after victory after victory. The same Lord God that could take down the walls of Jericho, the same Lord God who could do all of that. And all that we read in Scripture, the same Lord God can do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think So rather than bonds being a detriment to us or viewing them as a detriment to the preaching of the gospel, we look at the bonds and know that God can deliver us and that God keep us in those bonds and take us through those bonds. So we will come to say with the psalmist, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do unto me. I'm not afraid because the Lord is on my side. 
Man can't do anything to me that God doesn't allow. And they saw that Paul could take it. So they knew that the Lord could bring them through the bonds, just like he was bringing Paul through the bonds or keep Paul in the bonds. In Philippians 4 and verse 13, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Listen, believer, we as God's people can do whatever God wants us to do. He'll give us the strength to take whatever comes into our lives. If it's bad health, if it's good health, if it's bad finances, if it's good finances, if it's the loss of job, it's the finding of a job. He can bring us through it all and keep us in the midst of it all. Not always does God bring us through. Sometimes he just keeps us in the middle of it, like he did the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He didn't keep them out of the fiery furnace. He just went with them into the fiery furnace. And he kept them in the fiery furnace. So when those fiery trials come our way, then let's let the Lord use those fiery trials to glorify himself in us and to bring souls to the Savior. The fourth thing I want you to understand, we need to see Paul's attitude concerning conflicting reasons for the preaching of the word of God. Listen to what Paul says about these conflicting reasons. In verse 15, he says, And some indeed preached Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. So Paul says, you know, I see some preaching the gospel hoping by preaching the gospel that they'll bring, they'll add affliction to my bonds. Others I see preaching the gospel and they're preaching it in order to win people to Christ. Now the insincere preaching comes out of envy, envy of Paul, envy of his ministry. You know, it's so easy to look at where God is using somebody else and he's not using us in the same way. It's so easy for us to envy and to get out of line because of our envy. I can remember when I was a young preacher, young in the ministry, young in soul winning. I can remember how I felt and some things I said that were so out of line because they were born of envy. Now, sometimes that envy is not even realized until later in our lives. But in this case, they envied Paul. And out of strife, they not only envied Paul, they wanted to cause trouble for Paul. They wanted to add to Paul's bonds. These who act in envy and in strife. Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 17 talks about some of these. Paul says, We are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity. But as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. 
Notice when you're sincere, you don't corrupt the word of God. Those who have taken to corrupting the word of God today in these new translations, they this is out of envy and strife. They envied the King James Bible. They envied the word of God and its power in the lives of people. And they want to corrupt the word of God. It comes out of insincerity, not out of sincerity. Corrupting the word of God doesn't come because you're come because you're sincere in wanting to get the word of God out. Corrupting the word of God comes because you're insincere and want to pretend you're getting the word of God out. These corruptors of God's word, they bitterly resent the authority of God's word. This Bible, the word of God, is the authority in our lives. It is thou shalt and thou shalt not. It is You do what I say or else. I can remember hearing people say, you should never say to your children, do this or else. But with study of the word of God, you'll find out that God, our heavenly father, literally says that to us. Sometimes it's a good idea for us to know the consequences because our flesh is so weak. You know, when the Lord said all of the disciples would forsake him, Peter said, I'll never forsake thee. And the Lord looked at him and said, Peter, before the cock crowed twice, you're going to deny me thrice, three times. Peter said, I'll never do that. Then the Lord takes him into the garden of Gethsemane where he prays. He goes a little farther taking Peter, James, and John with him. And Peter, James, and John are left and told to watch and pray while the Lord goes a little farther yet and prays. And as the Lord is praying, Peter, James, and John fall asleep. When the Lord comes back, he says, Peter, couldn't you even watch with me for one hour? And he made a statement. He said, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Our flesh is weak. We need to know the consequences. Because many times it's the consequences that keep us from doing the things that God says or else about. We need in our lives to understand that this Bible is the authority in our lives and is to tell us what we are to do and what we are not to do. To tell us how we are to worship God and how we are not to worship God. To tell us how we are going to get to heaven through our Lord Jesus Christ and through faith in Him and through faith in Him alone. And how we are not going to get to heaven through any other way. Because Jesus Christ alone is the way, the truth, and the life. Not only did Paul see some preaching insincerely, the gospel, but he saw sincere, loving preaching of the gospel. Some were preaching the gospel saying, if God can take him through that, he can take me through that. Sometimes we see what God brings, what, how the Lord is taking some, taking care of someone in the midst of a problem, in the midst of their troubles, and we say, how could they stand it? And then we watch and we see the strength that God gives them, and we say, you know what? If God can do it for them, he can do it for me. 
If he can bring them through it, he can bring me through it. If he can keep them in it, he can keep me in it. So these said, if God can do it for him, he'll do it for me. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Listen, Christian, we are to be strong in the Lord not in ourselves, not in our flesh. The strength that we should have is in the Lord. Too often our strength is in ourselves. I can do it. I remember reading books when I was an insurance salesman that said, if you can believe it, you can do it. Truth is, if God wants you to do it, he'll let you do it. He'll give you the power to do it. Listen, it's not I can do it. It's I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I can take the chains. I can take the bonds. I can take the bad health. I can take the difficulties. I can take the slam doors. I can take the opposition. I can take it all through Christ. Don't ever miss that last part. Through Christ which strengtheneth me. So be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. They preached Christ because they knew that's what Paul wanted. That's what Paul would do. If he were outside, if he were out there, he would be the one at the door. He would be the one in the marketplace. He would be the one taking the gospel to them. But right now he was locked up and couldn't go. So While he was locked up, they would go. They would take the gospel. And the fifth thing is rejoicing in the preaching of the gospel, irregardless of the why, whether it's preached sincerely or not. Look at verse 18. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Paul said, if it's preached in pretense, they're just pretending. Or if it's preached in truth, they're telling the truth. I rejoice that the gospel is being preached. Some are pretending by preaching the word that it'll cause me trouble. But I'm going to rejoice that the gospel is preached. Others are preaching it in truth, and I'm going to rejoice that the gospel is preached. This is the right attitude we should have as the servants of God. Every preacher ought to have this attitude. Paul says, what then? He says, those that preach the gospel in pretense, those that preach the gospel in truth, what then? notwithstanding, in spite of why they preach it, I'm going to be glad that the gospel is preached. If the gospel is going out, rejoice that the gospel is going out. If it's being sent out so as to cause you trouble, rejoice that the gospel is going out. If it's being preached so as to encourage you in your bonds, rejoice that the gospel is going out. In Matthew Henry's commentary, Matthew Henry made this statement. The preaching of Christ is the joy 
of all who wish well to his kingdom among men. Everybody who wish well to his church, all that wish well to the truth of the gospel getting out, we rejoice when the gospel is preached, no matter why it is preached, no matter the reason behind the preaching of the gospel. We rejoice that the gospel is preached, no matter the motive of the person preaching it. Their motive is not what's important. The preaching of the gospel is what's important. As long as the message is correct, as long as the gospel is not corrupted, as long as no angel or man has added to the gospel, Paul says, though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than that which you have heard, let him be accursed. If somebody changes the message, then let him be accursed. But if he changes the motive, if his motive is not to the glory of God, but to the harm of us as God's preachers or God's servants or God's people, then just rejoice that the gospel is being preached. If he corrupts the message, let him be accursed. But if the truth of the message is going forth, then praise God the message is going forth. Jesus tells us how we're supposed to handle the preaching of the gospel. In Mark chapter 9 and verse 38 through 40, John comes to Jesus and John answered him saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followed not us, and we forbade him because he followed not us. But Jesus said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. And and John said, He's not walking with us, but he's speaking in your name and casting out devils in your name. Said, We told him not to because he followed not us. But Jesus said, don't forbid him, forbid him not. He said, there's no man which shall do a miracle in my name, in Jesus' name, that can lightly speak evil of Jesus. For he that is not against us, not against Jesus, he's on our part. He's for us. We need to learn then that whether the gospel is preached to harm us or preached to help us. Rejoice that the gospel is preached. The truth of the gospel is all that matters, Christian, because it's all about Jesus. little song I learned and grew up singing in Sunday school said, Let's talk about Jesus. The King of kings is he, the Lord of lords supreme throughout eternity. The great I am the way, the truth, the life, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. And I conclude this lesson with this statement. 
Let's talk about Jesus more and more. Hey, this is John Cook again. Thank you for listening to the John Cook Ministries podcast on the book of Philippians. Now, before you go, if you live in the Riverside, California area, I want to give you a personal invitation to visit the Faith Baptist Church, where our pastor, Nathan Cook, preaches the Word of God from the King James Bible. Before you hit that exit button, how about take some time and leave us a comment, or maybe a prayer request, or what question do you have that we might be able to answer for you? Let us know how we can help you. And don't forget to subscribe, and you will get the next podcast just as soon as it is released. Well, we'll say goodbye for now. Join us in our next podcast as we continue our study on the book of Philippians. Till then, God bless.